Welcome back to Her Do It Stories. My name is Michelle and I'm your host for this podcast. We are here at the final weeks of 2020 and just a couple of days away from Christmas. Wishing you a beautiful Christmas week and celebrations ahead, but do remember to stay safe, stay healthy during these times. This week, we have Selma, a financial planner who is also a mom. She will be sharing advice that is more reflective for this time of the year. If you are thinking of kickstarting your reflections for 2020, which you totally should, this may inspire you to think about how to approach your reflections for the year. If you haven't already, do follow us on Instagram at her.doit as I post daily and share a lot of personal finance information that we don't necessarily cover or maybe the better word is we have not covered yet on the podcast so if you would like to learn more, do check us out there. Without further ado, let's get started with the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Her Do It Stories. Today, we have Selma from Clarity Consultation. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. Would you like to tell the audience a bit more about yourself and what you're doing currently? Well, um, my name is Selma. I have an Instagram account which is called Clarity Consultation, which shares uh, financial empowerment tips specifically for women because that's where I'm more passionate about. And it's also a safe space for women to come together, to learn together, and to share our money stories together. So that's Clarity Consultation. I am a unit agent, and I also do skincare consultation as well on the side. But it's all got to do with the concept of empowerment, because that's what I learned through my own life. And... Like, you know, when you learned it for one thing, so it started actually with skincare, it just spreads to other parts of your life and, and money was just next. And I had a bit of experience with the financial industry before I got married and I, it felt natural to just get back in and reframe, you know, this idea of uh, financial planning into something that is not so boring and something more relatable, especially among women. Thank you so much for the introduction. We will deep dive into a lot more of the things that you shared just now throughout this episode. So before we get started, I have five quick fire questions that we usually do at the start of our episodes just to get us warmed uh, up. So the first question we have is, the best thing that money can do for me is... Is to allow me to live a life uh, where I can feel safe, where I can feel confident, and where can I where I can feel free? And coming on from that, if I didn't have to think so much about money, I would. I would be living in the jungle, having my own piece of land, and you know being able to grow my own food, and basically be self sustainable. Beautiful, and the best advice that I've ever received in terms of money is? Is to take responsibility for it. And you know, to, to know that it's all in my hands. And I decide, I determine. I have the power over my financial life. And the biggest lesson I've ever learned in terms of money or finances is? 
that time is uh, a more important factor than the money itself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And the final one is, to me, women empowerment means that we are able to live the lives that we want. We don't have to censor ourselves. We can say no when we feel like saying no instead of saying yes, you know, and to not feel guilty about that. I think that's what empowerment is. Amazing. Yes. So I hope all listeners have managed to learn a bit more about you and how you view money. So let's jump right into the episode. My first question goes all the way back. What is your first memory of money like? It wasn't a very good or happy memory because I grew up in a family where we we had money. We had wealth. It was, but it was from my grandfather's generation. So it's like a lot of money that stands to be inherited. And at that at that point in time, I had two two grandparents on both sides that had a lot of money that were very successful in their businesses but they were they had also a lot of children so what happened was there was i felt like there was a lot of infighting between my uncles and aunties and all the lot of drama around money even when my my grandparents were still alive so money was always something that was fought over and even with my parents my father and mother they had very extreme ways of managing their money so my mother she was generous but also very callous with money my father was very stingy with money and so i i saw a lot of bad or negative things around money and that made me think like okay money is the root of all unhappiness and basically the root of all evil in that way and as you've mentioned you saw your mom as someone who was more generous but at the same time careless and then your father was more stingy did you pick up any money habits from them and then that stemmed into adulthood for you i don't I think I picked up any habits from them in a way because I kind of shut it off and like, no, that's not what I want to be like. But what happened was that I turned away from money completely because I saw it as something that will not bring you happiness. And the more you have money, the more people are going to fight over it. And at that point, well, I didn't have a very happy childhood. And you know, that's the only thing I wanted. I just wanted to be happy. I saw that money was a, a threat to that. And so how did you then change that view or perspective of money that because you used to think that if it was evil, was there someone that you could look up to in terms of a role model on where you want to be yourself um, in the money perspective when you grew up? Well, looking back... I actually had a very positive role model and it so happened that he wasn't a part of the family. He was an in-law to the family, right? So he was one of my uncles. He was an in-law. He was almost an outsider because he was not of the same race as uh, the rest of us. And he came from a very poor background. He came from nothing, made his money, became really, you know, a really good businessman really had a lot of money and he had a daughter that was the same age as me and I grew up with her because we ended up being best friends, went to the same school in the same neighborhood and every weekend I'll be over at their house 
because he was a type of family man that will every weekend take the family out for dinner to the best places, right? Not like opposite of my father. And I, I love that feeling that being around that family because you can feel the love. And, you know, money wasn't an object. It wasn't like the, 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 their fridge was always full of all this delicious food, you know, almost extra, extravagant to my eyes because I didn't have that at home. And my father was not poor or he, he earned good money. He was just really stingy, extremely stingy. And I think looking back, it gave me a bit of hope, right? So I knew that it, actually money is not all bad. It depends on the person. But because I just spent more time with my own family in that negative surrounding, that had a bigger imprint in my in my life. So what helped me to kind of turn things around in my story of money is that it, it made me feel very disempowered. Because I you know you look around you and then you see other women who who are successful, who know how to handle money, and here I am like kind of still struggling or you know I feel incapable and and also I feel like I wish I could do that. I wish I could have my own money. I want to be like that as well, but I just didn't know what to do because I felt very alone and I still didn't deal with. I didn't make the connection that money, that my story of money, that it, it creates unhappiness. So it came to a point where I was really desperate, like, okay, I, enough. I really want to make my own money. I want to be able to save up. So I was able to earn. I was selling stuff on the internet. But I found that I wasn't good at saving. I was always spending it. I always find reasons to spend it. And what happened was, even after a year or two of making money, I didn't have much to, to prove for it. And then I'm like, what am I doing? You know. And I, then I realized, like, okay, I'm as much as I want to blame other people, I am my biggest. I'm the biggest uh, barrier to my own financial empowerment. So, and what I was doing didn't make sense. So I know I had to save. I know I had to, and end of the day, invest. But why couldn't I do it? Peter, maybe you can tell us more about after that whole journey or whole experience that you had, how did you then take charge of your finances, go into the field of financial services or financial consultancy advisory, and then leading you to start Clarity Consultation? So I realized that I had to do something. Right, I know I was doing something, but there was something else that was standing in the way, and it had to do because I have a psychology background. I have a bachelor's in psychology, so I kind of knew that you know there's something to do with feelings. It's something deeper that's going on, mm-hmm. and it made me think back, like why, why am I, why can't I hold money? And it's not that I cannot hold money. I don't like to do that. So why is that? And that made me kind of look back at my childhood memories. And then it's obvious. So when you start looking back, it was like, oh my God, it's so obvious, right? I can't believe I didn't see the connection. But it's so obvious because my experience being in an unhappy childhood and all these negative issues around money, that's why I feel so uncomfortable with having money and holding money. And that's why I, I unconsciously, you know, 
don't want to hold on to money because I don't want it to ruin whatever happiness that I have. It's just that understanding like, oh, that's the link, that's the connection. So moving forward, I have a choice to rewrite my own money story. Like I know I want to be successful. I know I want to have my own money. I want to be able to to buy whatever I want or do whatever I want. I want to be able to take care of myself so that I won't be dependent too much on other people. Uh, and that is what freedom is to me. So I know all that that I wanted and an understanding of where I came from in terms of my money story, just by looking at it, just by understanding and just by knowing that I can change that story if I wanted to. So that made me want to learn more about money, right? And get, really get back to the basics and work on the emotions or rewiring those emotions and feelings and thoughts that I had around money. And what was the biggest lesson or biggest eureka moment that you had when you had to go back to the basics and learning about the fundamentals of money? The eureka moment or the aha moment was really that connection, right? That, oh, okay, I understand why I cannot hold on to money. So I know why because of this feeling and these thoughts that I have and I can change that. The realization itself was very empowering. It's like, oh, I can do something about that. It's all in my hands. But you know, when we talk about feelings, it's not so easy to deal with. So you kind of have to take a bit of time to spend with yourself. I'm, I journaled it out, wrote it out. I talked to people who that I can trust to just share my stories and not be shy or feel bad about it. I connect to people who I see, who I know, have successful money stories. And not only in terms of the amount of money they make, but in terms of their lifestyle, the family, the kind of environment that they created for their family in that process. So coming back to what you mentioned before, that at the beginning, you didn't really have a good perspective of money because of your upbringing and after that you decided that okay you want to start taking charge and you started doing your own little business at the side but then you weren't able to still manage your money very well and coming back now that you are in a position whereby you can really control your finances compared to before how has your money management today changed specifically has there been any um, steps that you've taken or any things that you can share with our listeners on how they can also follow your footsteps potentially? Yes, when I created a more positive story around money, it, I found out that I was able to earn more money much more easily. I was able to put myself out there, share my own story more freely and also connect to people. So I realised that when you put yourself out there, you connect to people more than you make a fool of yourself. And that is so important. It's something that I'm always learning because I know that will help me to earn more money more and more easily. Not like I have to. Because, you know, I have to balance uh, being a, a mom and all these uh, responsibilities that I have with my kids and also for myself. So I need to find a way where I can make money efficiently without overstretching myself. And what has that without, been for you? What has that? Uh, 
Okay, so it's about taking it a day at a time. So I have my plan, I have my goals, but I always bring myself back into the present moment. Because, okay, I know that's where I want to be, but I'm not there. I'm here. And to tr- and also that I feel that like I can trust myself, that I can take myself on that journey, right? But the most important thing is to be in the now where I can take steps to take care of myself. Like the basic things, make sure I'm eating right, I have enough sleep so that I can think better, I can strategize better, and also so that I can learn so that I can absorb what I need to absorb when it comes to money and learning about investments and finances and also in dealing with people because that takes a lot of energy for me. Mm-hmm. But I find if I take care of the basics, that really is a more holistic view of everything and like money is not the end all and be all. But I, to be able to use it as a positive tool, you need to also consider your bigger picture as well. Mm-hmm. And what's your bigger picture then? Well, my bigger picture is, number one, it's my health. And number two is my happiness. So I, I need to be able to know that I'm living my life in a way when I sleep at night, uh, when I go to sleep, I'm happy with myself. Of course, it doesn't happen every night. Yeah. But most nights, I can say that it happens. It's also about managing expectations and managing your goals. Right? When you take it a day at a time, you're able to break down your goals and they become more reachable and then you just feel better and, and when you feel good about yourself, it adds up instead of being stressed. I, I really like that advice. I feel that breaking down very large goals, especially financial goals, finance is something that we have to deal with our entire lives and everyone's ultimate financial goal, I guess, would be being able to live retirement stress-free or fuss-free. Well, that is a very large financial goal. And if you're someone who is younger, even if you're not someone who's really young, you're middle age, it still feels like a very large goal and it can become very overwhelming. So the ability to really break that down into small chunks and things that you can think about and reflect back on a daily basis I feel it's really great advice for people who are just lost in terms of what do I do right now if it's a goal that is 40 years away from me. That's right. So with that said, I was wondering, yes, personal finance, we can break that down into small chunks and you have kind of a strategy and a plan in terms of how it works for you. But we also know that personal finance is not a smooth journey. There is always going to be ups and downs. For you personally, have you had any large failures that you consider as a failure throughout your journey? And how did you overcome those challenges or failures? I would think my biggest failure, looking back, is that I wasted time. I wish I was able to be a more efficient earner earlier on. Because when I graduated, I only worked for two years before I got married. And then when I got married, I wasn't able to work for like 10 years. And when I look back, whatever I made in those two years that I saved up, I actually gave it all to my husband. Because at that point, I didn't trust myself the money. I didn't know what to do with it. So naturally, I just gave it to him. But looking back, I think if I could change one thing, I, I wouldn't do that. I would just keep it. You know, even though it's in a savings account, it's better than nothing. Yeah, so that was my biggest failure. I didn't trust myself enough 
I gave away my money. I believe that a lot of women would resonate with you, especially stay-at-home moms who really have their hands tied up with looking after their children. So, mm-hmm. if you can give advice to those who were in a similar situation as you 10 years ago, whereby they have also given all their money to their husbands, what would you tell them to do now? Okay, so first of all, I would ask them to, to really think it through, okay, number one. And number two is to have more trust in their own abilities, uh, and even though you don't know something, you can always learn, right? And to trust yourself enough that, yeah, I don't know anything right now, but I know I can learn if I want to, if I have the time, and if I'm motivated enough. When it comes to something like financial planning and money, we could read more or spend more time around people who always talk about money or how they manage their money, to absorb things, or find ways to make yourself more confident when it comes to money matters. And what did you wish that you knew 10 years ago when you kind of left your job and then got married and can't really work anymore? What would have been really great advice that you could have received then and that you could start actually taking charge of your money although you couldn't make somewhat of an active income the one thing i wish i had known is the value of time and the importance of that it's so simple right now it's like a given because i'm already in the financial industry just like very basic but back then you know it didn't strike me or maybe because there's so many other distractions in life as well so if only i had understood the value of time I had and it's more important than the actual amount of money I had that would be such a powerful thing for me I think I would have more money at the moment Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though I didn't have much by that time and coming back to something more tangible in terms of money management then considering that you are currently also in the financial services world what do you yourself currently invest in? And do you have any money management philosophies or investment philosophies that you follow? For me, financial safety is very important. So I make sure that I have a safety net where my money is safe. And that means the emergency fund in cash and then a bit of money in FD, although it's not very exciting, but just a little bit in there. And then the rest... I can confidently put it into equities. Or, you know, and unit trust is something easy for me because you don't have to spend so much time on the actual management of it. Mm-hmm. It's like a bigger picture of things that you, you want to understand. But the actual details, you don't have to really go into it. And that frees up a lot of time for you to do other things. Yeah. Right? And... So if you're talking about money, investment philosophies, I th- it's very important that you understand your safety net and that you label it as your safety net. So I find that some women that I've talked to, they do have a lot of money in sitting in a savings account, but most of their money is in there. And why, I think, is because they didn't take the time to equate it with their safety net. So it, it, it means that that money, although there's a lot, didn't make them feel safe enough. So they end up having to top up 
you know so they save and save and save money because they don't didn't feel safe enough and that is a barrier to actually investing your money and i think a lot of women because we are so nervous about investing our money about taking risks because we're not familiar with it we fail to take that step forward right to make our money more efficient and i cannot understress that in our times in our current times it's not like 20 years ago or during our parents time where oh you can just put your money in fd and you're sorted for life you don't have to think so far we don't have this luxury at the moment we are forced to you know take more risk when it comes to investment but the idea is to do that in an intelligent way and also do it in a way where it makes you feel safe so you don't want to discount your safety for the sake of returns as well so let's branch off a little bit to go briefly into unit trust for our listeners who are interested to know more about unit trust. If this word sounds very scary to them, how would you break it down easily for them to understand what unit trust is as well as how they can use that as one of their asset classes that they can invest in? Okay, first of all, we must make sure that we understand what we're investing in. And I know um, a lot of advisors will mention that, but for the investor, they might be afraid to ask questions because it will make them maybe look stupid. This is like something so simple. Mm. And they, they don't ask the important questions that will help them to make more sense yes. of their investment. And I think the biggest mistake is not to understand where and why and what market specifically your money is in and also more importantly, how it fits into the, the bigger picture of the rest of your money. And it's very important that we get a clear understanding. And so don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to look stupid because it's more important that you want to learn and you want to to feel that your money is is working for you it makes sense for you and that's how we invest in our own confidence is there any questions that you feel our listeners should ask if they are interested to invest in unit trust yes so some important questions to ask is what country um, are they investing in what kind of companies are they investing in and then usually when you look at the fun fact sheet you'll have the top 10 companies um, look at the look at those companies usually they are very very famous companies like alibaba and all that so when you look at that kind of information you're you're finding connection and when you find connection you're finding ways whether does it make sense to me the story that the financial advisor is giving you about the fund does it make sense to me Right? And if it doesn't make sense, ask questions. And also to tie it in with the rest of your portfolio so that you know that number one, can I afford to take the risk? And number two, is it enough? Do I need to optimize it more? Do I need to take more risk or does my money need to grow a bit faster depending on the time and your age that you have? So or look at the bigger picture. I think that is great advice because as you've mentioned, I think even more so for women, that women are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid of not sounding smart and they're afraid that they will be judged. But honestly, when you're investing, it's your money. 
and you should yes. take charge of that money because it was your hard-earned money and it's yes. of value to you and you want to grow your wealth. So instead of just handing it away because you're afraid of looking stupid or if you're afraid to ask questions, like that shouldn't be it. Like you should make sure that your money is being worked the right way and in order to know that you have to ask questions. If you don't know, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of ways for you to find resources online. Like what are the top like five to ten questions you can ask so that you can make yourself comfortable before you make that step. But make sure that you understand what you're also investing into because you don't want to be putting your money into something that you have no idea what it's going to do for you. Yes, yeah. exactly. I understand it's not easy to ask questions, especially when you... You don't connect to the person. For some people, the financial advisor is someone they know, is a friend uh, or a family member. Mm. So they kind of, okay, I trust you. I trust you can do whatever with it. But what happens in the long term is that you lose out on the learning, right? So you lose out on gaining financial literacy and you lose out on the opportunity to build up confidence when it comes to dealing with your money. And I also must say, it's also important that the financial advisors themselves create that safe space. And this is maybe where the industry is lacking a bit and where I hope to make a difference, to just create that safe space, a non-judgmental space. That, and a way for me to do that is sometimes I share my own stories. I share where I come from so they can understand that you're not alone. I was there before. I think women definitely can resonate with that. I think we feel a lot more connected to stories and stories from other people's experience, especially when they don't only share what they've managed to successfully achieve, but they also share the tougher parts, the challenging parts, and some of the failures that they've gone through as well. So I think one of the things that can do, which you've mentioned earlier as well, is to talk to people who you know or talk to others who you believe you can trust and talk about your money stories. Don't hide behind and feel that you will be judged. It's all about having a conversation with others. So the yes, next section exactly. of this conversation will move towards the women's side of things because I, we know that Selma and I, we are both huge in terms of women empowerment. We really believe in it. The first major overarching question I want to ask is what does the topic financial empowerment mean to you and why is financial empowerment to women important for you? Well, financial empowerment means that I'm able to trust myself in managing my money in a way that will give my life that safety, that confidence and that sense of freedom. And I think the, the word to underline here is trust yourself. But that doesn't, you can't fake that. So it you need to build that up. You need to learn. You need to gain knowledge. You need to take the time. You need to practice and to make mistakes as well. And we learn from the mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so that's what financial empowerment means to me. I think this is something very important for women because something as basic as trusting yourself is not what we all might naturally have. And is the re realization that only you can help you in building that trust and that it does require work, it does require effort and above all, it requires that you put yourself out there and objectively, look at your life objectively, don't judge yourself so that you can move on basically. 
and I think we cannot talk about the topic of personal finance and finance without talking about emotions, which you've mentioned just now. We know that our relationship with money is very tied towards our emotions, our upbringing and all these invisible things that we never knew before, especially for women. If our women listeners are listening to us today and they have developed negative thoughts about money already throughout their lives, what can they do today to start understanding those thoughts and then moving towards a way where they can see money more positively? Okay, so first of all, is to bring those thoughts up to the surface, right? To Sometimes it's a painful process. We don't want to go there because, you know, there's all these emotions that are tied to it and then we're forced to feel it when we bring up these memories. So first thing, you bring it up and then you feel all these emotions that kind of flood in when you do that. And allow yourself to feel it, right? Give yourself time to process those feelings because maybe you didn't have time to do that when those events were happening. And what happens when that happens to a human being is that it, it gets stuck inside our bodies. And the more it gets stuck, uh, the more longer it in there, it adds up and it causes imbalances in our system. And then we act in sometimes very irrational ways. We don't even understand why. So first thing is to take the time to just bring those memories out right, out from inside and to feel. So whatever feeling it is, whether it's good or bad, to just feel it and not judge it, right? So if it's pain, if it's fear, if it's vulnerability, if it's sadness, it's okay to feel it. And I think when we feel it, we actually are letting it out of our system. So that's one way. And then... Once we are kind of done with that, when we feel like, okay, I'm feeling a bit better, I'm feeling a bit lighter, I understand myself a bit more, then we look at it objectively and, and from there we decide what kind of money story that we want for ourselves going forward. So we can't change the past, but our present self can change our future. And that's where the power is. So the power is in this in this present moment, and the and and the power is about being able to choose your own money story and to create those money stories moving forward. I really like that. I think there are three things um, that I really resonate with you here, and I also have a bit of an explanation in terms of why. So first thing is about feelings. You mentioned that we should let ourselves feel, whether good or bad, all the emotions that we had with money. I listened to a podcast, I think a couple of months ago, and they were talking about how the word feeling stems from the word feel. And it's actually for you to feel those feelings. You're not supposed to hide or try to suppress your anger, your sadness, and all these negative emotions that you're feeling. You're supposed to let it out, feel them, and let them pass. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The second one is how you mentioned that your present self can help change the future. A lot of the things that we do today, of course, we can't see the results today as well. I think that applies to many aspects of our lives. But what we do today can affect how things are for us five years from now. And actually what we are experiencing now were the actions that we took five years ago or ten years ago. 
So although you can't feel that instant gratification, which we'll go into a little bit more later, you can't feel it now, but it is a part of your life and you should take charge of how it's going to affect your future. Yes. Yeah. Really love how you shared that. So back to instant gratification then. I think women, especially women, and just maybe generally like millennials as, as well, the younger generation today, they have a strong need for instant gratification. I think there are many factors behind that. I think one of the major factors is how social media is huge today and you can see all the good things about other people and how they are living their very extravagant lifestyles, for example. So when we are facing the lure of instant gratification, retirement planning sounds like something that is just too far ahead for us to think about. And people want to live in the moment. So for people who are lured by instant gratification, what can they tell themselves when they are looking to do something that only impacts them now, positively maybe, but then it's going to impact them negatively in the future? What should they tell themselves and what can they do? Okay, so first of all, instant the need for instant gratification, it's not something that's good or bad. It's a human thing, right? And like you said, in, in our current times, it's like, it's normal. It's what we've been sort of uh, trained to do with all the tools that we have around us. But the thing is, if we could shift the need for in- instant gratification in terms of how we measure it. So instead of measuring it in terms of physical things to have or to own, if you could shift that to feelings, because feelings are more empowering and they're more powerful. So for example, instead of say retirement, you're planning for your retirement and you want to live by the beach and have a you know that nice carefree life and not having to think about work or earning money anymore. The instant gratification that you can get from planning for that is knowing that your current self right now is doing something for your future self to make that that future self, that version, happen. And to allow that knowing to give you that sense of confidence as well in yourself that I am doing something, I'm doing something very important here and I feel good about it. And to reaffirm it. You know, so to reaffirm all these good things that you're doing, so you kind of shift your focus from the physical side of instant gratification to something of the feeling side where you have more power over and when you have, you can actually feel it straight away. I really love that. I, that reminds me of, I'm not too sure if you know the internet celebrity Marie Kondo. Yes. <laughs> I feel that reminds me of Marie Kondo about how things spark joy, right? She talks a lot about how material things actually don't spark joy when you achieve them, but it's more of the feeling that you can have them and the feeling when you buy them. I think that ties very closely to to what you've just mentioned. And the thing about feelings is you can recreate them, right? So you don't have to wait until you buy something to feel... The, the good feeling for it, you can actually recreate it right now with something that's more grounded, you know, something that is more, I, I maybe, you know, shifted to gratitude instead. And also f- 
find ways to build more confidence and trust in ourselves. That should be the focus. So yes, money is everything. Yes, it's nice to have all the things that come with it. But what's more important as a human being and what will bring more meaning to our lives on a daily basis is how we feel. Because that can change your whole perspective of your everyday today. And we can recreate those Love that part of sharing. Hopefully, our listeners were able to learn a great deal from that part and is able to take charge of how they feel about money as well as how they can combat that physical need for instant gratification and transform that into something more holistic instead. Now, we can move on to the final part of today's podcast episode. The first one is more in terms of sharing some tips you have gone through this yourself as well. I believe a lot of people are going through this and especially for women. For people who are struggling at very early stages in terms of spending and being able to budget or save their money, if they can't seem to get hold of controlling their finances, they can't seem to hold on to their money and they spend what tips do you have for them to get started on being more in control of their life and their money? The first thing that we can do is to not be afraid to ask for help. Okay, And of course, you need to know who are the people that you can ask help from. It could be a close family member. It could be a close friend that you trust. It could also be a professional, like a financial planner. The important thing is to bring it out. To, make, to bring it into your consciousness so that you can do something about it. You know you need to do something about it, but you just don't know how. So you're not alone in that sense. You don't have to do it alone. You can ask for help. And I believe that when you ask for help, that life will bring the right people to you because, you know, I believe in that, that kind of a life. Yeah, so the biggest thing is to ask for help. And then when you feel like there are tips or ways that you can apply to your situation, then it's a matter of practice. It, it could be experimentation as well. So don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's how we learn. That's the best way where we learn through our mistakes and to just take it as a fun learning experience if we can, right? It's a, a mind shift. Yes, money is, is important. But if we could just make the experience of going through it a bit more lighter, then we won't be so burdened by it. I like how you mentioned that we should talk to someone if we feel that we are struggling to cope. I think two things here. One is if you are someone who can speak to your close ones, your family or your friends, you are open to being open to them about sharing your struggles and you know that there are people that you can trust, maybe your siblings, maybe your parents, maybe your close friends, by all means go ahead and use that as your source of like sharing your struggles. If you are someone who doesn't really want to share because you feel like you are going to burden the people around you and you prefer looking for someone who is more neutral, exactly like what Selma said, you can speak to other people. You can speak to a professional financial advisor like Selma. Or you can reach out to people who share a lot about personal finance online. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so actually in Malaysia, if 
uh, our listeners are from Malaysia, there are a lot of people who share about their own personal finance story online. Some who are more hidden in terms of identity. A lot of people share, but then they also don't want to reveal themselves. So they share under a pseudonym and then they, they don't reveal who they are. There are people who share with their identity as well. I guess that includes me. I share my identity. These are people that you can speak to. I think majority of us are not certified, but I think when it comes to emotions, if it feels more comfortable for you to share and you just want someone to be a listening ear, most of the time when we share our problems, we just want people to listen to us. Not so much to give us advice, right? So... Feel free to reach out. I don't think anyone wouldn't reply and help you out in terms of your struggles because for us to be sharing our personal finance journey or stories online, we must have gone through something for us to take that step to want to share this with others, share our stories and share our learnings. So by no means any of us are in a situation or in a state where we feel like we're extremely successful and that we have been successful our entire lives. So we can definitely help you out. If you feel that you need to talk to someone, all ears, so you just look for us on Instagram or any other platforms, send us a DM and then I'm sure everyone will be happy to help you out. Yes, I think the, mo- the most important perspective to have here is that we are sharing our stories, our journeys, so that we can learn from each other, we can grow together and that no one is really an expert or perfect in any sense, right? Including ourselves. So, if we just um, allow ourselves to be, you know, in that state, maybe it's because you might feel a bit vulnerable and we don't like that. But, you know, as women, if we can find a way to be comfortable with our vulnerability and share our stories and money stories together and learn together and grow together, I think it's such a powerful thing. Definitely. And today we've spoken a lot about women and what kind of things women can do in order to start taking charge of their finances. But we also have a sizable amount of male listeners on this podcast as well. So shining a bit of light on our male listeners, to them, if they have female friends, siblings or family around them, how can they get started in terms of supporting them or helping them out in terms of their money journey? I think the first thing that they can do is just offer a listening ear, right? And just try not to judge, right? As you said, sometimes we just want to be heard, right? We just want to be validated. And yes, so the men, whatever stories that come out of the women's mouth, validate it first. Don't rubbish it or, oh, you should have done this or, you you know, refrain from doing that. And again, it's practice, right? It's, you won't get it right the first time. But yeah, so avoid judgment, listen, and validate. And then, because most of the time, what we really want from a man is just to be able to hold our hand and, you know, walk with us through this journey and not be, not be judged or not made to feel bad or feel small or feel stupid. Right? That's the worst thing. But I think if the relationship is an important relationship for you, then it's worth to spend time in thinking, how can I talk to her or listen to her in a way where she can feel safe, where she doesn't feel judged, where she feels validated. I think that is 90% of the work. And then the 10% is you can share your own viewpoints, but that's only at the end. And if (laughs) it's solicited, if they ask for it. Yes, very important if it's solicited. 
right? Or sometimes you can just ask. So do you want my advice? Because we don't. I mean, we don't make it easy for the men because we speak. You know the way women tend to speak. We're not very straightforward. So men can ask. Do you? Would you want my advice? Right? Ask first, and if they say yes, then yes. If they say no, then it's fine. So don't feel bad. As well, <laughs> I love that advice. I think one of the major, major things everyone, men, women included, can ask when they are listening to people sharing their stories is ask for permission to share your own story, because more often than not, we are very selfish people. Like all individuals yes. are selfish, so when people share their stories, the first thing we want to respond is, "I know how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. This is my story." But then you are taking away attention from their struggles and their challenges and what they are sharing, and you are internalizing and trying to put yourself in their shoes, which is not what they are looking for from you. So it's so important to always ask whether it's money or not money related conversations before you say anything about yourself. First, listen, validate, and then next, if you want to say anything at all, ask for permission whether you can share, and if the person is open to that. Then you can share, but if they are not, then continue to listen. Yes, and this is something that I also personally struggle with because you just when you talk to someone, you can't wait to give you know, your point of view, but you need to kind of hold back your tongue, and then we need to ask questions also, like how how does that make you feel? Mm. Because sometimes in the, when we when the other person talks, it's not so obvious. And in our head, we're trying to figure out, okay, what is she feeling? And then you're scared to say the wrong thing. So it could be as simple just asking, oh, how did you feel when that happened? Or you know, why why did you do that? What made you make that decision at that time? But of course, the way we ask is also important. But again, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. It's something that's not common in the way we communicate in our society. Mm-hmm. But I think just when we are able to convey in a more gentle and calm tone, which takes practice, you can get a, a better picture out of the, the conversation and you can make a, a more meaningful impact in that sense. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sama. I think that is so important for everyone to know and to be aware of throughout their life, no matter what situation they're in or no matter what kind of conversations that they're having because this will impact or and affect everyone in our lives. Yes, and I, I have to keep reminding myself all the time. So, you know, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Great. So, final part of this Coming back to like the final things that we want to talk uh, on this podcast, the first question is, what are your own money goals for 2021? Okay, so 2021, that's like another 12 months almost, right? Specifically, I whatever my investment portfolio is at the moment, I would like to see a 20% gain and that partially could be in terms of growth and also in terms of me putting in more money into it. Mm. Yeah, and I don't want to overthink too much. I want to simplify my goals. And I think that's the one thing, yeah, I I look forward to 2021. I like that. That is what I call a SMART goal. If um, people listening, you know the acronym SMART. I don't know if I'm getting it right, but specific, measurable, actionable. I forgot what's R. And T is time sensitive. So that is the kind of goal that you want to set yourself instead of, 
I want to be financially free. That is something that's a bit vague. There's no actionable or specific uh, steps to achieving it. So I really like that goal and hopefully like all the best towards achieving that goal for you. Final, final question is if there is any money advice that you can give to your children or your grandchildren that you want them to bring or keep forever, what would that advice be? Wow. Okay. I have to think properly here. Of course. <laughs> but okay, I would tell them that money is a beautiful tool. It has the power to make your life more meaningful and to help you achieve your dreams. But that's not the only thing that will help you. Money is just one of the tools, right? And you are the bigger tool. I would say always look at the bigger picture, be grateful, acknowledge money for what it can bring to your life, the good and the bad, but also be grateful, like thank money. I think I read that somewhere, you know, to thank money, like literally say thank you to money every time you get something good out of it. And that is the final question that we have for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much again, Sama, for sharing all the things you shared with us today. I certainly learned a lot and I hope that our listeners have learned a lot too. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to check out Selma's page, it's at Clarity Consultation on Instagram feel free to reach out to her. She has a really fun, no obligations personal finance card game that you can do with her that can help you gain some more clarity into your current financial status. Before we end, I just want to say thank you again for all your support so far. We are 11 episodes into Her Do It. In just 10 weeks, it has been an incredible journey for me and I look forward to producing more quality content for you in the next year. Merry Christmas and see you next week for a final episode before the end of the year. Goodbye!